Good morning. Today we're going to be looking at a select passage in Luke chapter 8, 26 through 39. And, and the intent and purpose of this video is to help us to learn to study our Bibles a little better. Um, this is essentially the inductive Bible study method that we're going to be looking at today. And um, we're going to use this passage as our example, as I've assigned it to a few people as homework. Um, so before we get into that, we want to look at the, the method and how we're, we're going to come to this text. So I'm going to switch over to, uh, I got this cool devotional from Young Life that has a couple of cool things in it. And this is, uh, one of the cool things in it. This is for studying Mark, um, and Solomon, their little devotional, but I'm going to use it as kind of the, the starting place. So a lot of times when we study our Bible, we just read the words and move on. What we need to do is we really need to like slow down and understand the text for what it says and what it means for us. Because if we're just reading as like a checklist, I'm, I read it, I'm done, I'm moving on with my life, then we're not really doing anything. We might as well go read the newspaper. We might as well uh, go read anything else because we're going to get more out of it. Because when we read a newspaper or an article, we think, well, how does this affect me? Like, oh, taxes are going up. <laughs> that affects me. Oh, oh, this uh, this is happening in our government. This, How is this going to affect me? And we... we very naturally kind of internalize or, or look at those things as to how is it going to affect me but many times we don't read the bible that way and we really need to we really need to read the bible and and glean from it instead of reading it and then forgetting everything we've done uh, so here are just some useful marks we're going to go over them in a little bit and we're going to add some more to it so the first thing um, this is the inductive method. I want to like zoom in on, we're going to look at observe first. Let's see if this will work. Zoom in, I'm playing with a new toy and seeing if I can do what, what I can do with it, what I can't do with it. So the first thing of the inductive Bible study is observe. Uh, we say you need to look at the five W's and the H, the who, what, where, when, why, and how. And we need to answer these questions. That's like the first assignment. I suggest reading the passage. If you're familiar with the Bible, you can read it once and kind of like re-familiarize yourself with the story. But if you're new or it's been a while, um, two to five times is really a good place to start reading it. So you can get used to the beginning from the end because many times we kind of lose our focus and we lose the story. So... Um, that's that's my suggestion. Read it a couple times. I've chosen a passage specifically because it has a starting and an ending t place to it, so you can see that it's at one location that things are going on. Um, while you're reading and whatever you're reading, look for repeating words. Look for lists. Look, look for change in topics and change in time. So, um, look for cause and effect. These are very important observation characteristics. We don't have to go very far, but reading the text to see these things. And we're going to make a few notes. Don't add to the text. Don't don't like, oh, this, this means this because I know this other thing. Don't do that. Just stick with the text that we have. And we're going to do this in a second. Uh, and so uh, the three, I, I do a different kind of Bible study. Uh, when I study the scriptures, I, I use what's called the seven arrows method, which we'll talk about. But so the doesn't really matter. There are seven questions that you need to answer. The first three questions are kind of in this first bit. What does this passage say? Kind of write a conclusion. In conclusion, what does this passage say, which we're going to do here in a second. Two, what does this tell us about God? And 
three what does this tell us about man these are just very observational questions you don't have to go very far to to glean the this kind of information we'll look at the interpretation stuff in a little bit um so the next thing i want to look at here is to, to help us make these observations we're going to use some symbols boom bam boom so this is just their suggestion in this Young Life devotional that I received in my email. And on the right, I've got some more that I, I use fairly often. Um, so you'll see, how do I want to do this? You'll see um, God is a Triangle. Uh, because of the book that I have and everything I'm doing, um, I have blue, green, red. I've got access to all these other things. You're telling me I'm on the wrong layer, so let's put on my marks, turn that layer back off. Cool. Um, so you'll see here some symbols. I've added some in on the right, and we're going to use a couple in the middle column. So the first symbol you see is God is a triangle because we believe him to be in in triunity. He's, he's three persons in one entity. So God is a triangle. Anytime the word God's used, we use that. For Jesus, we're going to use this kind of writing right bottom lower corner triangle piece with the cross on it for the holy spirit we use the bottom left of the um of the triangle with kind of the the the, the cloud as he's holy spirit um for locations for this example we're going to highlight them in green um if i had a green marker on this that'd be great but all i have is a green highlighter for time we're going to try to underline the time uh, for Satan, devil, demon, we're going to make a little kind of pitchfork. You see the little red pitchfork here. And then this story specifically has sailing travel, so we're going to use this sailing um, idea. We're going to use uh, miracles, the star. We're going to make the star blue when we record it. And blue. So here's this miracle star, and then we're also going to do faith, belief, which will be an arrow up. It'll be one thing that uh, we can do. You can use any symbols if you're reading other materials, and there are words and themes and ideas that keep coming up. Make up a quick symbol for it. These are really just loose suggestions that we're going to be taking to the text. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to go look at our Luke 8 passage. We're going to use these ideas as we go through them. We're just going to look at the text. We're going to pull out what we can find in the text to, to see what it says. So, then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes. So, first thing, uh, my little symbol is going to be sailed. Blue, just because it's a boat. I'm going to draw a little sail here. To the country of the Gadarenes. So, there's a location. So, I'm going to switch to my green highlighter. And for locations, I'm going to highlight it. Um, I'm also going to draw a little like underlined then because there's a transition in uh, the story. So then, the next thing that's going on. Um, we have another location here. I'm going to turn my snap on here. Um, the Galilee. So we've got two places, the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. So it gives us some, some very specific context. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time and he wore no clothes nor did he live in a house but in the tombs so here we've got some loose locations 
uh, tombs. We have the, the city. So there's something very specific about that city uh, connected with the Gadarenes. Um, there's some, he stepped out, so he's, he's getting out of the boat. Um, met him. Him is going to be Jesus, a certain man from the city. So we've got this guy, and he wore no clothes, and he didn't live in a house, but he lived in the tombs. Uh, when he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had often seized him and kept and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. So I've got the highlighter. Uh, wilderness is... That's a place. Um, any more locations? I don't really see any. We have a little bit of, you know, things that happened in the past. Alright, so... And then I'm going to change over to blue. We see Jesus being talked about blue. So, when he... This is Jesus with the cross. And I met him. They're capitalized for our understanding, but there it is. So, now we saw Jesus. Pretty obvious, but we're going to write it here. And he fell down before him. And we have his name again. So the demon somehow knows what his name is. But we also have this, this idea that the young life thing said, Most High God, Son of the Most High God. So this is one of Jesus' identity markers. We kind of read over these real quick, but it's, it's kind of important because there's so much question about who Jesus is in today's world that the, I like that the Young Life devotional pulls out the um, try to find Jesus's identity IDs. And he commanded Jesus again, the unclean spirit. So there's also this unclean spirit or demons that we're doing. So I'm going to do over here demons. We're going to put the little pitchfork on demons. You were not clothes, lived in the tombs. What have you do with me? I beg you, do not torment me. Unclean spirits. So here's a unclean spirits to come out of a man, for he had often seized him. And he was kept under guard and was able to break those bonds. And he was driven by the demon into the wilderness. So it's not the by the man's choice. The demon is separating him. I'm not supposed to go in. So driving him away. This is what it says. And then Jesus asked him, what is your name? Verse 30. And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Now heard of many swine are feeding there on the mountain. So they begged him that he would permit them to enter them. And he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. Crazy story, I know. So now i got red still going on, so I'm going to mark demon. Demon. And they, so I'm just going to point out that this is still demons. They are the ones doing it. It depends on how, how deep, how much you want to color on your, your everything. Uh, this is the demon's kind of name. There are many of them. Uh, so there's a couple things. We have some other things. We have some locations. So we have a lake that's nearby, which will be important. There's a mountain that they're on. Can I do that without crashing things? Cool. Alright, and we also have a, like a steep place. Um, which kind of is important if you're looking for where the location is on a map. 
some Jesus stuff that's going on Jesus stuff so we have and he permitted them and they begged him so it's just kind of highlighting who's talking and who's what because if you're not familiar with these passages if you're not familiar with what's going on sometimes it's kind of hard to follow the story so sometimes you may not and it may not be Jesus but maybe it's like um King Saul or Samson or Samuel and there's there's a lot of names that kind of sound familiar so you can make some sort of a mark for each person and just kind of go through it like this now we're going to keep reading 34 when those who fed them assuming the pigs saw what had happened they fled and told it to the city and in the country then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed sitting at the feet of Jesus clothed and in his right man and they were afraid they also who had seen it told them by what means he who had been demon possessed was healed then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes uh, uh, asked him to depart from them for they were seized with great fear and he got into the boat and returned now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him but jesus sent him away saying return to your own house and tell what great things god has done for you and he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city that great things jesus had done for him so um, we've got a couple locations we're going to start there just kind of for our idea they fled and told it to the city and in the country so on their way of them fleeing from this tomb area where the pigs were being kept then they went out to see what happened so they they left the city in the countryside and came to this tomb area sitting at the feet surrounding region of the gatherings i guess that's the location i want to highlight that word and they departed so there's a location that one should be underlined Again, a little easier if you got paper and pencil. Okay. Um, and they got into the boat and returned. Now the man begged him, but he says, don't return to your own house. So we have kind of like a location slash. No, I'm doing it backwards. Meh. Return to your own house. Tell what they have done throughout the whole city. So those are important things. So Jesus is not taking him with him. He's saying, go back to your own house, your own people. So we have blue. I want to say there is a miracle, which is the little star. Um, the demons went out. So, so Jesus cast the demons out. The, the problem that this man had uh, was fixed. So then we come down here. They went out to see what happened. The demons had departed. So this is kind of a miracle. And then he's sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. So there's there's a, a miracle right there. Because he was naked and living in a tomb, he'd been shackled and he'd been pretty out of his mind. And then he was healed. Because as we know interpretation-wise, Jesus is a, a healer. He wanders around setting things right back the way they should be. And so we'll go back to the Jesus idea. So we're putting the little cross on the triangle um, to see what happened. They came to Jesus, sitting at the feet of Jesus. That could be like a blue, like this is what happened. All right. Begged him that 
he might be with him. So this, this guy that was healed wants to follow Jesus. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your own house and tell the things that God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city great things Jesus had done for him. Just there's, there's slipping into the interpretation. There's this kind of uh, connecting word there. It's kind of the cause and the effects. Jesus says, like, tell him what God has done. And then he tells him what Jesus had done. So this is the cause, this is the effect. We can go through the demons. We can go through, uh, you know, some other things. I want to do the boat real quick. So as you read, and he got into a boat and returned. So there's there's the leaving circled, and here's the arriving at the top. So it's just kind of like one little like location just to help us to, to bring that into mind. I want to point something out about that later. So that's our observation. So to summarize the who, uh, obviously Jesus and this, this demon-possessed man, uh, what uh, that cast, cast a demon out of this man, or many demons, uh, where, somewhere in the place of the Gadarenes, which is opposite of Galilee, there at the top, uh, in some tombs, just to get more specific. Um, and then later on, they he'll be sent back to his home and to the larger city there in the region of the Gadarenes. Uh, who, what, where, when, when? We don't have any context of the when at this point in time. Um, why is a very interesting question that kind of jumps into the, the next section, the interpretation, but it seems... Jesus crossed the, the lake to come to this tombed area specifically for this man to heal him and then to depart and go back to the other side of the lake. And uh, there's a little bit of interpretation, but it's really, really plain in the text. So, like, Jesus crossed the lake, healed this one man, and then went back across the lake and didn't even, like, receive him as a follower, but said, hey, go into your city, go into your area and heal or and, and teach them about the things that God has done for you. Teach them about what Jesus has done for them. Slipping a little bit into the interpretation, but that's that's a really interesting point for me is that uh, Jesus came to this side of the lake to heal this one man and then departed. Super cool thing that Jesus does is he'll go after the one that's lost. Um, yeah. So uh, a brief, like, who and how. Uh, how J Jesus is God, he does miracles. That's the how. Um, so a concluding sentence. In conclusion, uh, Jesus traveled to the area of the Gadarenes and healed one man that was demon-possessed and out of his mind. And it scared the local people, and they begged him to leave, and Jesus left. So that's the kind of an in conclusion. Oh, and, and sent the demon, the healed man, into his own area, into his own, back to his family. Uh, to proclaim what God had done. So there's my in-conclusion sentence. All right, so we're going to switch back to what's next. After observation, we're going to do interpretation. Let's see how well I can crash these things. Doing good, though. So we did the O observation. Don't add to the text. I don't think we've added anything to the text. So the interpretation is down here. Uh, and we didn't answer the question, what does this passage say? We did, that was the concluding section, tell us about God. Uh, Jesus is God, and he's wandering around healing people. And what does this tell us about man? That they're fearful of 
miracles and people being set back into their right mind and they're they're more worried about the profit of their pigs that they lost than they are about the the health the well-being and the the sanity that this man has received through the healing of jesus so that's what we can learn about humans they're more worried about their profit than they are human beings it's pretty normal hadn't changed a lot so interpretation wise the first question that i i normally ask is what's the cultural understanding of this passage what's the context um, reading above and below which we won't do uh, are there additional scriptures we can add to this uh, let's not make any assumptions about what the, it says the clearest meaning of the text is the most uh, important reading of the text don't don't add anything to allegorize or change the meaning of like pretty clear scripture don't twist the scriptures uh, the plainest interpretation first. We use scripture to interpret scripture, so if something's confusing we'll, or seems contradictory, we could bring other scripture in to um, see how it works in harmony with the rest of the scriptures. We avoid building foundations on obscure readings of passages and stuff like that, like, oh, this is... Um, all about how to cast out demons well we don't actually have any like specific information so let's not build a theology based on casting out demons because the scriptures are very kind of quiet there, there's a few things but this is not about casting out demons this is about Jesus and his miracles um, and then how do we connect this back to the gospel and the overall picture like how do we bring it back to the gospel so let's go back to our passage let's do some interpretation so culture many of you may or may not know but Jews were not allowed to eat pigs so they should not be keeping pigs anywhere near where we're finding Jesus. And there's this herd of 2,000 pigs. And maybe these are not Jews. Maybe they are. Um, this text doesn't clearly say. We might look at it more historically and who these people are. But um, they're keeping a lot of pigs really close to the Israelite area. So that's, that's interesting. That's important. Um other cultural things we have here uh, this man would have been very unclean so the israelites had a very specific uh way about treating death and it was very separated very you, death is over there if you touch it you become unclean yourself you touch anything that's touched death it you, it contaminates you too so this man was unclean the uncleanness of the unclean living in the tombs and having demons in them so that historically contextually uh, this guy was unapproachable um but Jesus just walks right up and <laughs> sails over there and walks up to him and, and heals him. Praise the Lord for that. And other context, other historic stuff. I don't see anything other than the Son of the Most High God has um, a lot of Old Testament understandings that we don't have time to go into but it's it's a very very loud specific claim to who jesus is he's not just a man he is the son of god he's related to he is of god's family it's something that we can't say to the same degree that jesus claims or the authors claim that jesus is um so there's that so that's context and i'm sure there's more, many more interesting things that we might pull out but these are just the, the top of the things like when do people sail usually we see a lot of the time they sail it in the evening or at night because it's so hot um, but we're not we're just interpretation so 
there's that. Uh, we kind of went into the interpretation a little bit already about he came over just for this one man. Um, it's pretty plain, but it is interpreting that, that Jesus left the crowds. As putting it in context, he was teaching crowds. He had just fed 5,000. Uh, he'll go back to the crowds after this. Jesus leaves the crowds and goes after this one man to set him right, to set him back in his mind and to, and to clean out the demons that were living in him. And he doesn't, it's another little miracle, which I'm not going to mark, is he doesn't say, yeah, 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 you should follow me, because Jesus is not building, like, these followers, this big, big entourage. Jesus has, like, a select few that he's working with, and then he kind of sets the other ones off on their own path to proclaim God, to proclaim him. And you, and most men, when they're building systems and they're building religions, <clears throat> they'll gather as many people to them as they want, as, as, as they can. And, and Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus keeps like this, this main 12, and he's got the main, main three that he talks to on the mountains. But these other people that he's going to run into, he's just going to say, hey, go tell them what God has done. Tell them what I have done. And so they're, they don't have to go through seminary. They don't have to go through like an evangelism class. This man was one way, and now after meeting Jesus, he is different. And that's the same for all of us. Once we meet Jesus, our lives are noticeably different. We've been set on a different path than what we had been before. And so we tie that back to the gospel, like that's the gospel. Like we met Jesus and now our lives are completely different. They're, they're set free. They're, they're different than they were before. All right, and then finally we're going to look at the application for this passage here in the bottom right corner. What does this mean for me? And the, uh, the, the seven questions that I usually ask, what does this demand of me? How does this make me relate to people? Uh, how does this prompt me to pray? And so again, I, I want to warn people against this is not for private interpretation. This is not for, oh, the demons in my life. So, so here's bad interpretation. The demons in my life are my job, and they're they're tormenting me, and they make me feel crazy, and I just need to, you know, rebuke my job so that it's not driving me crazy. That's not what we're doing here. This is a an actual story of something that actually happened to actual people, and this is not for you to, to be in the story. It's not a good way of reading the Bible. It's not a good way of doing anything in that sense. Now, I, I like to put myself in the story in a sense of like, I can see the lake and I can see the high point and I can see the pigs and then this happens. So I have to think like, well, how long did it take for that, for me to get from point A to point B? And so I put myself in physically, but I don't like replace myself with any of the characters. And that, that works for me. A lot of people, I don't know, won't put themselves in the story, but, but I think it's very important to know these are real places with real distances. How long did it take? How much food did they have? What kind of animals? How fast did the animals travel? There's a lot of other questions that can be asked. We're going through Genesis on Sundays. So what does this passage demand of me? Well, it, the, the last sentence for me, like, you know, go, or last few verses, go and tell them what Jesus has done. It's the great command. It's it's what we're called to do when we've met Jesus and he's changed our life is go tell other people, go back to your homeland, go back to your family and tell them about what Jesus has done, what God has done for us. That's what demands of me. Um, how does this help me relate to people? Well, this person, 
this this demon possessed man had been uh, had given up on. I mean, they tried to bind him. They they kind of had ignored him and tried to just stay away from him. They he was an outcast. He was alone, dejected, and and so here we have Jesus going to this person that had been rejected by people that had been um, just probably treated very poorly because of the, the demons, because of the way that he acted. And so it calls me to go to those people that are rejected by the, the masses, rejected by people, to, to tell them about Jesus so that they know that there is a great healer, a great comforter, a great father that um, can relate to them. Um, so that's, that's how I relate to people through this passage. Like, go to those people that... Oh, I was told here... Um, I was tr- I'm trying to build relationships with people, and there's an orphanage thing nearby and I said can I can I come and uh, sit and hang out with the kids play games teach them English don't teach them anything just play card games or throw balls back and forth whatever they need and the worker said why would you want to do that these kids are bad and I'm just it just like stunned me like I was like what that's exactly the reason I want to do this because everyone needs Jesus everyone needs that relationship with with someone that that's not you know professional i have to do this or or anything they need a loving relationship everyone needs this this kind of relationship so that's that's some of the interpretation and how do i pray well i can pray for those people that don't know that don't know god yet that don't know his healing power or his miracles or or anything so that is what this passage specifically means and how i'm going to to use this passage for my walk with Christ to help me grow more and more in his image. Um, so that is, oops, that is where we find ourselves at the end of this little short of Luke passage and how we can help read our Bibles a little bit better. I'm going to do another one in a little bit on some more words that we need to learn and how to look at passages and understand them because this is what we call a narrative it's a step-by-step this is what happened then this happened then this happened we'll get into more uh academic scholarly kind of letters and, and how we need to read and understand those so thanks for listening hope you all have a blessed day